Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes checking in here on a Thursday morning for your Thursday delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. And got news to discuss, of course. We're going to do our final walkover for the UFC 293 card, which I've said all along isn't the most impressive card. But we do have a title fight at the top. And sometimes when that delivers, the rest is all forgotten. And speaking of, we'll be doing a watch-along on Saturday, just like we do watch-alongs for all UFC pay-per-views. Same start time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's for the prelims on ESPN News and ESPN+. And then it's a pay-per-view at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's where you have to pony up 80 bucks if you want to continue and get to the eventual title fight. But if you don't, we'll be your eyes and ears so you can stick with us on the watch-along. Or if you order the pay-per-view, just watch the fights along with us. All right, on today's show, we'll also have Aaron Pico, who's got a fight coming up on the 23rd of September. Not really a significant day on the calendar if you think about it, but Bellator chose that day to go to Dublin, Ireland, and we have a title fight there too. But Pico will be facing Pedro Cavallo in the Coleman event. Also on the 23rd of September, again, can I emphasize, can't emphasize this enough, not a significant day on the calendar at all, um, but Dan Ige will be facing Bryce Mitchell in a fight night show here at the apex uh so we'll have both of those interviews along with uh, some of the latest news uh, that's emanating from australia and locally of course as well all right folks we'll reset and we'll be right back all right so goes the press conference i wouldn't say it was nutty i would say it was entertaining i think there was so much buildup about what sean was gonna say and what could happen um and we got maybe a taste of it but you know it, it was pretty tame thought so i i wouldn't well maybe nutty's too much but it did get a little crazy well i thought milk. I, mean, I think Adesanya knew what to expect going in. So he just kind of sat in his chair. Yeah, you're right. The cop Kai Car France thing was bigger. Yeah. But Israel just kind of took everything Sean said. And Sean played his greatest hits. Chinaman, he refers to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, you know, he jerked off your dog, I guess, was something that he was caught on video doing, which I've never even seen or heard, but he kept saying it over and over. And then he uh he likes to watch anime and Forget what the other one was. Oh, yeah, he, the, he, wearing the T-shirt to insult the girlfriend. Yeah, he went uh, off on him. DDP as well on a, on a race baiting chant or race baiting. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Rant. Rant. Um, rant. <laughs> he. I was surprised that uh, Israel Adesanya kind of let him speak a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I thought he was gonna kind of try and interrupt them as much as he can, use the crowd to his defense a lot, but he didn't really do too much of that. And I was also surprised that I thought the Aussies would really come down on Sean Strickland, 
mm-hmm. uh, like booing them, just not giving them the opportunity to speak. But they were kind of somewhat chill too. It was it was a little odd, but uh, you know this is kind of what you need for this card because, like you said, the card's just not that deep. So really, you're gonna you're tuning in because it's top heavy, and you know I'm not sure what the odds are right now. But I think a lot of people have Israel Adesanya as a pretty clear favorite here. So I think uh, stuff like this needs to happen. And the UFC probably has to let let it happen to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Because you need to be able to sell this pay-per-view. You know, now this isn't two months ago. You know, now there's pro football. Now there's college football. There's a lot going on. There's baseball. Uh, so... I don't know. Everybody's attention. You have to fight even more for it. There's boxing. There's all these bare knuckles and uh, all these celebrity boxing cards that are pulling money out of our pockets. It's just uh, you got to fight for our attention. And so I think the UFC, to a certain extent, has to kind of let them do this and uh, and sell this card. However, that's a scary thing, right? When you when you give the wheel to Sean Strickland, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Well, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. I skimmed through most of it and just focused on basically when Cop was going to talk and Adesanya was going to attempt to shut him down. It looked like the crowd kind of came at Cop a little bit, which I guess that's fine. Strickland, I think, is likable to a lot of people all over the world because he's just nutty. You know what I mean? So he's just that crazy American who you never know what he'll say in an interview. And frankly, I'm guilty of it, too. If I go on YouTube and you know how you have basically all these channels you can jump on, I gravitate towards certain interviewers uh, and interviewees. And Strickland's kind of become one of them. Now, it doesn't mean like I'll sit through all 20 minutes of it, but you just kind of know he's going to go off on this rant. And like I was telling you before the show, I love when he stands up at the press conference and he just feels like he's doing a set or something, you know. But I observed mm-hmm. Izzy, and I think Izzy already knew what to expect. So he just kicked back. He didn't get a reaction out of Izzy as bad. It was Cop that got a reaction out of Izzy because he came to the defense of Kai Car Francis' teammate. Cop was calling him a bitch for pulling out of the fight, yada, yada, yada. But with Strickland, I think he just kind of already knew, well, this guy's going to say this. I'm not going to give him a reaction. I'll just remind him about what I'm going to do to him on Saturday. By the way, he's minus 700. I bet MGM plus 500 for Sean Strickland. And, you know, he wasn't going to let him, I guess, steal the stage or steal the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, with Izzy and Strickland, you know, you said the crowd didn't come come to his defense. So Izzy is from New Zealand or lives in New Zealand, originally from Nigeria, reps New Zealand hard, though. And they're in Australia. And those are rival countries. But I'm not going to shy away from this topic. I still think there's a little bit of a black and white thing, regardless of what part of the world you go in. Um, And I think that's maybe why maybe some of that crowd just might have sided with Strickland. And I hope I'm wrong. I honestly hope I am. But I think sometimes it could be that. Or maybe, like I said, it's the rivalry of the Australians and New Zealands. They have a nice rivalry in rugby, for example. Probably Mm -hmm. other sports as well. And so maybe they just hope the New Zealander gets his ass kicked. I I, I couldn't tell you. but I've seen them cheer for him before, though. Huh? I've seen them cheer for each other before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I have. And look, I mean... Obviously, 
the success going down there in Oceania, both countries, is powerful. I mean, Israel Adesanya and Alex Volkanovsky are top of the heap, and they're real, really, really, really good buddies. Um, fine. As much as I heard cheers for Izzy, or sorry, for Strickland, I heard it for Izzy, too. It just wasn't too overwhelming one way or the other. But I thought if it was going to be overwhelming, it'd be more on Israel's side. But it seemed like every time Sean said some stuff, the crowd kind of reacted to it. But I think the crowd kind of reacted to some of the jokes. Not necessarily, oh, we hate Israel. We just thought it was funny that Sean Strickland, in a deep, gravelly voice, put him on blast for jerking off his dog. Mm-hmm. I thought the Robert Whitaker, did you see him? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was hilarious. You didn't see what that part? There? No. So Izzy said something like, you know, like we've been doing this for a long time. Who here was was here when I won my first title or something like that? Raise your hand. And nobody really raised their hand, but but Robert Whitaker kind of did. And it was it was pretty funny. He had this funny look on that's, his face. That's hilarious because that's great when you can have that type of sense of humor about it all. Fighters enter this sport thinking they're unbeatable and if you take a loss hard boy man it can really really affect your psyche um when you can learn to just accept them just like in other pro sports you know Messi's on quite a run but he's gonna lose a game he's lost a game before he's lost big games before you know and and so has tom brady and michael jordan but there's something about the fight game that when you take a loss if you also don't let it just slide. It's like this big avalanche, man. You stare at the top of the mountain and you go, "Oh my god, all that snow's coming down. What am what am I going to do?" And um mm-hmm. it affects you at that time, your career, but it can really mess with your mind. And I like that Whitaker is like that. And I think Strickland's like that. You take that first loss, I'm I'm sure Israel's like that. Uh but I've seen other people in MMA just like what happened to Ronda Rousey was really sad, bro. Yeah. She got punted by Holly Holm in Australia. And I remember when she got off the plane, TMZ was there and she had a big towel over her head. I mean, it was a vicious KO. And maybe there was a black guy there. Who know who knows what? But she just from that day on was a totally different person and just jilted, man, towards fans, the sport, all because she couldn't accept. She got her butt kicked. It was hor- a horrible L. You know, there's other there's other types of L's, but that one was a pretty horrible one, and she could not roll with the punches. And you know, anyway, um, so look, folks, on YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie, the same spot you can grab the weekly spinning back click show that we do live. Myself goes and our colleagues in that channel. You'll see a replay of this particular press conference with Taito Ivasa and Alexander Volkov, Manel Kopp, Dos Santos, uh, Adesanya, Strickland. You'll see the face-offs, and then you'll see the individual press that these guys did as well. So lots on that channel. Sean, uh, sorry, Mike Vaughn's also been catching up with some notables out there that are not part of the fight card itself, but that are news, like Laura Sanko, who's been announced as one of the three announcers on this pay-per-view. This is her debut uh, on, on a pay-per-view with John Anik and Daniel Cormier. As you know, Joe, Joe Rogan doesn't travel to the international shows. I'm not sure we've spoken about that topic either, 
I'm sure you got to be pretty happy about that. Yeah, it's super cool, man, to see that. That's uh, probably the last step right here in this whole process. So really happy for her and excited to kind of see this little landmark moment happen. I do want to. Uh, I think there's one more step. What's that? I think there's just something to be said for, in my opinion, what her and other commentators feel. And that's that they would want to do a pay-per-view with Joe Rogan as well. Now, that would mean bumping DC or, I guess, some sort of a four-man, which I don't think would ever work in the UFC, to be honest. But I, I've often I've heard enough fighters say they love to do one with Joe Rogan, too. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I do want to make one pitch, George, and tell me what you think of this. You talked about Mike Bond, and, and he's caught up with a lot of people. But Jared Cannonier is out there okay mm-hmm. he is the backup. he's the backup and i honestly wouldn't have a problem with him being out on the dais as well you know because there is a chance he could step in and fight and if he is well i kind of want to hear from him too you know like what what are you going to do if not just for in case sean strickland can or something it could be israel adesani like you never know right um i would kind of because he his comments were interesting and I, I think it would be kind of interesting to see what the other two guys have to say. Like if you can get all three of them kind of talking smack, I think that'd be pretty funny because they have all fought each other. So I, I think going forward, you so should you mean, yeah, going forward is what you meant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Going forward. I think you should have a spot for them on, on the side or whatever. I'm digesting it as you say it, but that's very interesting. I thought you were going to go on another topic regarding the same guy. Yeah. Okay. So to answer your question, I'm totally into that. I think it would be pretty interesting for the backup to be there. Or if not, well, it couldn't hurt to do it once and see how it goes. I guess most of the time they're not fighting. And if they just start to take it over and it takes away the shine from the others on the dais and who knows what, but that's very interesting. But if you're that guy, there's a chance you could be fighting. And even if you're not, it's just free promotion because if that guy's even there, it means he's pretty close to getting to run this again. And he might be next, right? You could already start laying the foundation of promotion for whatever that could be. Yeah, and you know, Dana didn't seem too happy that Drikas isn't the guy. When he was asked about it at Dana White Contender Series, he just said, you know what happens when guys pass up fights? Um, I guess that's a way of saying we don't believe Dreykus was hurt enough that he couldn't fight. And that could be true because you never know. If, if you say, hey, I'm hurt, but for the right amount of zeros, I'll show up, then maybe you're not so hurt and you're holding them over the coals. At the same time, what do we hear? If you have leverage, that's when you can cash in. I guess it's all about the delivery how long you've been with the company, you know, if they've called called your name a few times and maybe it does feel like the right time to, you know, pay you back. I don't know because we weren't there and I'm sure there's two sides to a story. But what's interesting is with Cannoneer there, did he just bump DDP? Who knows? Israel likes fresh matchups. Sean's fresh. Dukas is fresh. Cannoneer wouldn't be fresh. Cannoneer's improved since fighting him, but Cannoneer's also either 40 or knocking on 40. 
Um, cardio for days, though. I, I do want to say this on one of the embeddeds, or sorry, I think in, I think when he said when he faced the media, he said he only found out that Cannoneer was the backup like this week. He said he saw him. Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm the backup. Oh wow, you know, and he kind of played it off pretty smooth. But I'm thinking, are are they playing with fire? The UFC. Like, if you're going to announce some backup, I think you should tell the fighters with plenty of time to train, you know, because it can be two different fighting styles, man. It can be a wrestler or a striker, an orthodox or a um, southpaw, a kicker, you know, somebody that's very, very kick-oriented or flying knees. You know what I mean? Versus someone that's maybe a counter, a counter boxing kickboxer, something counter punching big boxer kickboxer type who doesn't press the action. And so what you want to do is you want to fly in people that can kind of replicate what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And again, I also said earlier, most of the time this doesn't happen, but it did take a lot to get Sean Strickland into Australia. So to be fair, and, and he did get held up at customs. To be fair, he could have possibly been fighting Cannoneer. I just think it would have been nice to, to know. Now, some champions will tell you, I'm ready to go. Whoever it is, let's go. But famously, John Jones was not willing to go with Ch Chael Sonnen at, on late notice when Dan Henderson couldn't fight. Yeah. So it happened to the UFC before, and that's a world champion that everyone respects. And he made that move. He goes, nope, my coach says we're not prepared for him, so I'm not going to take the fight. And you know what goes looking back? That motherfucker's never lost, John Jones. Mm -hmm. Right? Put the, put the Matt Hamill thing aside. He's never lost. And what if he kind of took a fight like that and just kind of got caught because he really didn't train for him, I guess, or whatever? That could have been like, that could have ruined what's so special about John Jones. Looking back, we might have to give him credit for that. Yeah. I'm, I think it's a, a valid point. You know, it's, it's, if you're taking a world history class and you have to do a speech on Abraham Lincoln and at the last minute they go, now you got to do it on George Washington. You could probably pull it off, you know, like, but it would be a lot easier if you could prepare even a day more for it or something. Right. Yeah. Um, th these aren't speeches that these guys are given. They're going out there and they're fighting. They're trying to put each other's lights out. We see how different some of these guys can be after knockouts. Like that's the least you can do, man, is let them know, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. And to be fair, as a coach, as a fighter, you should be asking those questions too, probably. Yes, you're right. The, both Israel Strickland and their coaches should ask the UFC, is there a backup? So they should have known. And the UFC should have told them if they didn't come to them, who the backup was. And it's for the reasons of the fighter might decline, so that could hurt the UFC. Imagine, dude, this card's not a pay-per-view. If Strickland has problems at customs, Cannoneer's announced, and Izzy goes, I'm not ready for Cannoneer. I choose not to fight him. This UFC 293, I guarantee you, would not be a pay-per-view. They would just call it a fight night. They would still go through with the card. And I guess... Uh, Taitu Ivasa and Alexander Volkov would be the, the main event. I mean, I'll, honestly, a lot can happen. This has all happened before, folks. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe we're at a point where this just gets sprung on a guy one day before. You know, like, I think this happened on the first embed. No, it happened. 
you see them you see them meet on embedded too and izzy explained this to the media like two days ago or a day and a half ago because they're 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 ahead of us by like 18 hours so that's why it's kind of hard to do the math but either way i i found that highly disappointing at this point that should not be ha happening it just makes it seem like we go back to being a circus show a muppet show you know when we really should be as tight as possible this is the number one organization and these are their biggest shows the pay-per-views they should run tight everything should be out there explained very well you know we were here about a week ago giving props to them giving a nice handout to john mcdessie and paying for a whole week's extra week of hotel and accommodations because he wanted to get there early and we were given the, the UFC praise for that. You know, that's, that's acting professional towards their fighters on a big card. And here we find out this thing, man, it was just a joke. All right, let's get to one of the two interviews that we have today. Aaron Pico is going to be facing Pedro Carvalho in Dublin, Ireland. Now they're the coming event to Johnny Evelyn and Fabian Edwards fights can be seen on Showtime and on YouTube. So they start off on YouTube, and then they end up on Showtime. All this starts early on the 23rd. It is Goz's birthday. That's why I made the joke early on of it not being a significant date on the calendar. And so reminder, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific is when it all starts, and they'll progress all the way upward to Aaron Pico, Pedro Carvalho, Johnny Evelyn, and Fabian Edwards. We'll be right back with Aaron Pico. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George Ingos are back with one of our favorites. It's Aaron Pico from Bellator. He's a featherweight who's got a big fight coming up on the 23rd of September. And uh, we're getting close to this, Aaron. Like, uh, we're winding down here. These are the hard workouts right now, right? The hardest sparring you'll get before you start tapering? Honestly, I, um, it's kind of the opposite for me. Usually, like, one month out, I'm kind of, like, on the wind down because I I go pretty hard uh, before, uh -huh. but uh, now I have a few more sparring sessions and uh, just fine tuning some things. And September twenty third will be here really quick. So, but I do feel you, good. I feel good and healthy and, and, and ready to go. Do you remember your hardest sparring session from this camp? You know what? I'm I have some pretty good uh, sparring partners. Um, one of the one of the guys that I, I use a lot is named Isaiah. Um, he fights in Bellator. He's at 145. He can he can push the pace pretty good, and uh, he's always pretty tough rounds for me. And but I had a guy come down from Brazil. His name's Leon Douglas, and he pushed me hard. And and um, yeah, I've had I've had good uh, good sparring. But the most important thing is is uh, I'm, my body's healthy, so I'm happy about that. Now this is probably a question where you have to put your ego aside. <laughs> but what if we were to ask those two, what's it like sparring with Pico? I mean, are are you pretty much putting them through hell too? Yeah, I I I, uh, I, I set a good pace in sparring. I kind of um, I don't I go hard. I go pretty hard, to be honest with you. And um, I, I put a good pace on because you got to simulate the fight as as much as you possibly can, um, especially with the the fast punches, the kicks, and, and the wrestling. And um, but no, we take care of each other. But I, I go pretty hard, to be honest with you. <laughs> When's the last time you put someone down with a body shot in practice? Um, 
uh, last uh, last sparring session. But it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't Isaiah. It wasn't uh, my my good friend, um, the guy from Brazil. Isaiah is like I said, Isaiah um, Hockey is very very good, very tough, good wrestler, and has yeah. a gas tank. So he pushes me really really good, and he's southpaw, so that works out good. And, and like I said, he fights at 145 in Bellator. I believe he's four and one, and uh, I can't thank him enough. He's a he's a guy that just doesn't complain. He just goes. You know, I have to be ready too because I mean, he punches hard, he wrestles, he kicks, and um, it's good for both of us. Mm-hmm. So Pedro Carvalho's been in the game for a minute now, uh, and that's always good when you face someone who's not only tough but also a recognizable name for the fans, the promotion. But at the same time, I, I feel like. And I honestly know how this fight went, the one with Jeremy Kennedy. I don't want to bring back that. But it seems like he's really the only one in the way of a title shot for you, right? Once Pitbull comes back healthy, is that how you're looking at it? Yeah, that's a fight that I really want to get back. I mean, I was uh, – the fans clearly know that uh, I wasn't right in the fight. And obviously, I had surgery and everything went well. But, uh, yeah, I'm not putting any, um, you know, uh, expectation on the future right now. I just really want to focus on – on Pedro, and yeah. uh, I, I know I'm not going to put any emotional value on on the title. The title will come when it when it when it's time. Um, but I have a tough guy in front of me, especially going to his backyard, fighting with the Irish fans, and it's something that's new for me, being in a in a hostile environment. I don't know if the fans are going to be on my side. I'm assuming they're going to be on his, but uh, it's something that uh, I need to get used to. All the greats have have gone to enemy ter- territory and and fought, so. It's just part of my development, and I'm looking forward to it. That's right. He's a Portuguese who who trains at SVG. So, yeah, you're right. It is going to be kind of a home game. And speaking of home game, it would have been nice, instead of 299, to have you on Bellator 300 right down that five freeway. Oh, wait, that's right. You're not you're not in SoCal anymore. But either way, yeah. you know, you have to travel about 10 hours to get to this destination. Yeah. Um, but do, do, you, do you like maybe – those fights where you're isolated and less distracted or would, would it have been nice to fight near a lot of family and friends where you grew up? Yeah, I, I honestly like fighting away to be honest with you. It's just a lot less distract distractions, but uh, of course it's, it's nice for my family and friends. They all get to go. Um, but it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I gotta, I gotta fight. So this was the, the, the card that they presented. I said it was presented a few, uh, a while back so i've been aiming at this date for a long time and um yeah it is what it is but of course it'd be nice to fight in san diego i've never fought there um but maybe i'll go i'll be in attendance and, and watch mm-hmm. nice and when you when you look at pedro and you do your your homework which i'm positive you've already done did anything really stand out does it uh is he any trickier than anybody else you've ever faced before in any way no, I think I think he's pretty straightforward. He's uh, southpaw. He switches orthodox as well. Um, looks for a lot of guillotines and uh, left body kicks. And I think I've fought and I have fought a lot. I've fought better strikers, but uh, this game is crazy. And with the four ounce gloves and this crazy sport, anything could happen. But we've really studied him, and uh, I'm really excited for this one. I think it's it's a good style matchup for me. So I can't wait. What do you think will be some of the things that are going through your head as the introductions being made and all that, and you're pacing back and forth? 
What are those last second details that run through your head? Well, I think for me, this this fight, I, I really got to focus on my breathing and, and um, just know when that bell rings, everything goes away, the nerves and, and um, the sound of the crowd. I mean, I'm really just kind of focused on him. And I think if I just focus on my breathing and 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 not really thinking about anything, that's that's kind of the the secret is is being able to calm your mind and not and basically have zero thoughts. So it's easier said than done. But I, I, for me, this fight camp and um, I've been focusing on my breathing and kind of mental aspect of the game. I have everything I need to become a world champion. I truly believe that. I have the best coaches. I have the skill set. But now it's just you know be sharp mentally. And uh, something I've been working on. So I'm excited to go in there and and, uh, and put it to test. And we've always known you. We've actually used you as an example of what uh, up-and-coming fighters should, how they should conduct themselves. Yeah. We've always known you to be very, very professional. But along the way, you've kind of done some really cool things, and you're about to do another one. Are you able to kind of disconnect a little bit and ever just – like kind of peep behind the curtain and go, man, this is actually pretty badass. Like what I'm doing and actually fun, kind of like a kid at a, at a party or something, you know, like yeah. does that ever cross your mind for a couple seconds or is it all business? That's, that's honestly something I think I need to work on. I'm, I'm constant. I kind of tend to overthink a little bit and I'm always searching for the future and what's it going to be like. And I got to take a step back and, and enjoy what I've been doing because a lot of the experiences that I've had in life, not just in fighting, just in, you know, in fighting and, and the people I've met and, and my friends around the world, I've, I have some really cool stories and, and I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I need to sit back and, and, and enjoy it and think of the good times and that I've had and the good times that I'm going to have. Um, but to answer your question, I, I need to do it more. I don't do it enough. Gotcha. Aaron, a lot of people would probably rate your wrestling on a scale of 1 to 10, a 10. Your boxing's up there as well. I mean, you've boxed for a long time. and um, But I wanted to ask you, if you had to self-grade yourself on your, let's say, your Muay Thai and your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and there's a lot of martial arts, but we'll just focus yeah. on those two. Uh, where would you say those are in terms of um, trying to match the other two that you're really sharp in? Well, if I, I had to do my, my Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, in MMA, I, I think I, I'm up there. I, it's it's a whole different beast fighting and on the ground, especially when you can land elbows and and um, it just changes the game. But just straight jujitsu, I'm I believe I'm really good. I've gone with some high level guys and it's uh, it's I've tapped some guys out and but I can't really say that because I haven't I haven't competed on that that level. It would be nice to to test myself and maybe it's something I should consider. Um, but I believe my MMA or my jiu-jitsu is, is, is great, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's very good. Um, my Muay Thai is, is uh, my kickboxing is, is I really worked on at this camp and I pre be prepared to see a lot of kicks and uh, it needs some work, but I, I feel confident in throwing, letting my, my, my uh, kicks go. So I feel pretty, pretty confident with, with it. And my, uh, uh, Muay Thai world champion. I mean, it'd be it'd be hard, but I mean, as far as my hands and my, that's the thing that I, I think that sets me apart is my hands are, are really good. So to be able, I can kind of, um, how do I say it? I don't have to be so perfect in the kick department because my my hands kind of set up uh, set, yeah. set 
picks up really, really well. So, but I love Muay Thai kickboxing. It's something that I watch a lot. I, I, I study it and it's just, it's one of the hardest sports in the world. And I don't think people realize that to those guys in, in Muay Thai and kickboxing to be able to just kick for, you know, three to five rounds that yeah. takes a toll on the body. And the guys in Thailand will fight, I don't know how many times a year. It's, I, it's really, really crazy to me. Sometimes I kick a knee and my foot's hurt for, my, my foot feels sore for about three weeks. So I'm like, I don't know how they get back in there, but they're just conditioned. I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah, you know, the there's so many parts of a fight where you can be sneaky, you know, and, and I see a lot of top-notch fighters taking advantage. Like, you're clinching against the fence, and a lot of times, maybe just over-unders, right? Whether it's you're the one trying to defend or you're the one trying to initiate, and maybe maybe it's just not there. And then there's that little break, and someone sneaks in an elbow. Man, I think that's there's a beauty in that to me. Like, um, And I'm seeing more and more of that, like people taking advantage of opportunities like that. Or maybe even a finishing sequence. Someone's maybe on the way down or something, and boom, rather than use your hands, you sneak a knee right up the middle. You know, and you just crush somebody that way. Uh, And I guess, you know what really spurned that question was the other day, McGregor got his black belt. And I just wondered, gee, I wonder where guys like, for example, you, that we we interviewed Dan Ige earlier. I should have asked him that. But that's what I was just curious was, like, maybe some of these guys are further along than we know. And a guy that you obviously uh, know know, uh, of, everyone does, John Jones. How about the surreal gone fight? You know, he goes in there. And he even said he wasn't comfortable with his striking early in the fight, but then the opportunity to body lock comes in, you know, and next thing you know, they're on the ground. He sees the the neck and snatches it, and job's done. He's the world champ at heavyweight, you know, and I guess that's why I was asking was I was just curious to see if if those opportunities come up, are you ready to pounce on them or, you know, like I say, are you more back to ground and pounding someone or, or just using the hands? Yeah, that's that's a good question. To be honest with you, I, I love to ground and pound, but if the submission is there, I, I would rather take the submission than a ground and pound because it saves your elbows, it saves your your hands, and uh, you'll be you'll be ready to go for in relatively short time to fight again. But that's the thing about MMA, and it makes so it makes it so in, intriguing is that it can be uh, John Jones can be a purple belt, and then you know he's tapped out how many black belts. I mean, you can land a few elbows on some guys and and threaten them submissions are usually you know it's usually there so that's why i believe in grappling and jiu-jitsu tournaments is a whole different ball game to to mma jiu-jitsu and stuff and you hear that all the time but uh yeah. it's something that i mean the level of grappling is is just through the roof right now and you see so many young guys coming up and and i'm talking about just as a sport and grappling it's it's quite um crazy to see to be honest with you you know but i don't know it's it's this this mma game is is very very hard you know and not many mm-hmm. people can do it one last thing for me and then i think goes has one last one um on the 26th of september you turn 27 i turn 54 so i'll be double your age for one day I- People, I don't know why it's why people think that. I'm actually fighting uh, on my birthday. September 23rd is my birthday. Yes. Oh yeah, that's my yeah, birthday. That's his, that's his birthday. Uh, yeah, September. So 23rd. your birthday's not the 26th. Uh, it's the 23rd. I don't know why 
a lot of people tell me that, you know, like my birthday will, will pass and then people will text me, happy birthday, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, it was the 23rd. Thank you. Mm. Like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was the 26th. So it's all good. You're not the first person to, to say that. <laughs> mm. But you then you miss out on this fun fact. And this fun fact is my birthday, which I thought it was going to be our birthday. But since you're with Goes now, um, <laughs> my birthday is the most common birthday in the world. More what? people were born on the 26th than any other day on the calendar. And that, that's the truth, Ruth. My dad's is the 27th, so... I'm the 23rd. My dad's the 27th. Yeah. I like your dad. I met him once in yeah. L.A. at the Forum. He was wearing a suit. He's well put together, too, man. He looks like an intense cat, but he's a nice fella. He's nice. Yeah, he's, yeah I love him. My dad helps me out a lot. I, I have a lot of respect for him. He's, he's the best. He's going to Ireland with you? or? Yeah, he is going to Ireland with me. Oh, I'm cool. really excited about it. Yeah, he hasn't been to a fight and. I think he hasn't been to like the last three or something like that. So, uh, cause he's always here taking care of, you know, my horses and dogs and, and things like that. And usually when I fight, my mom will come and stay in, in Albuquerque with my dad and help him take care of the horses and spend some time with him. Um, so I'm excited. My dad's going to go out there and, and, uh, it's like old times. I traveled the world with my dad. He used to go to all my wrestling tournaments uh, around the world. And um, we haven't done that in a long time, so I, I'm excited for it, and and uh, it's going to be a great, a great week. So I'm looking forward to it. Nice. All right, dude. I I'm going to give you a little bit of a homework assignment, and it involves your horses. Okay? Yeah. Canelo the horse. You're talking about. I don't know if you guys have ever. I mean, I, I assume Aaron's seen this, and George, you've probably seen this at some point. When a horse kicks somebody, dude, they go flying. And Aaron, you said yeah. you're working on your kicks. If yeah. you can perfect that spinning back kick to the liver, we got to call that the Canelo kick. The Canelo that's kick. your homework assignment for the rest of 2023. If you hit yeah. someone with the Canelo kick, dude, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> that would be that would be a great knockout, spinning back kick. I, you know what? I have a really good spinning back kick, to be honest with you, on the pads and things like that. It's good, but it's different in a fight. It's really hard to get the timing down and, and, and to – to make sure that he's in the right spot to hit it. It's, mm -hmm. it's a it's a powerful kick, but also a very hard kick to land. But I, I, I can do it pretty good on the pad. I look good with the spinning back kick on the pad. I don't know if I have enough uh, webbers to do it in a fight yet. <laughs> I, <laughs> didn't, been... I have a funny story. I had my uh, against, um, who was it? Justin Gonzalez, not the last fight. Um, I, it was the last like 30 seconds. I threw a spinning back, a spinning heel kick at the... <laughs> at him and it was absolutely terrible and i threw it two times and i could hear greg in the corner like just yelling at me like why are you like i, I he was pissed that i threw it you know i was like well i was just having fun but he said well before you throw you, your ass better work on it so have you ever been kicked by a horse by the way oh uh, knock on wood no i haven't uh, okay <laughs> no i've been stepped on by a horse before by like a, i got stepped on by a pony one time yeah. And he won't believe me because I told I told him that was like one of my top five worst pains ever in my life. For some yeah. reason, it felt like my foot was just going to like flatten completely. And that yeah. was a pony. So I can't imagine what a horse weighs. But have you ever been stepped on? Um, I've been stepped on, but I had like boots. Mm. Um, so it wasn't too bad, but it, it, it hurt, obviously. But I'm pretty careful around horses. That's the thing people don't realize, you know, is like you got to respect respect them and 
know where you're at and it's not kind of like when I get on a horse I mean I, I respect it it's not like a game you know I really try to do ride the right way and, and, and do the right things because uh, in my line of work if you get hurt and you can't fight you can't make money so I'm really cautious about you know what I'm doing you know not overboard where I'm like just on pins and needles but I respect them they're big especially my horses and and uh, but it's fun it's my passion I love it and uh, I can I can I can't imagine my life without them. Do you watch Yellowstone? The TV. I show? did. Yeah, yeah. I lo I loved it. I liked Yellowstone a lot. So when you see the Dutton Ranch and what they do, is that too far fetched for something that you would like, or do you like kind of what more like what you have, just a few horses or whatever? Yeah, no. I really want to. I really want a, a ranch one day and learn to breed horses like have a breed of horses and and, uh, and and have a you know full on ranch that's a goal of mine you know i tell mm -hmm. people you know the big reason why i fight i fight for two things i fight for my son and i fight i fight for horses i mean that's what i want to do when i'm retired is be around them and and um, i have and that's why i'm not afraid to you know i, I work so hard because uh, if anybody knows me they know i love my son and i and i love my horses you know and um I have a job to do, so I tell people I'm willing to do whatever I'm willing to do. Some what I'm willing to do uh, to a human being inside that cage for those two things is uh, pretty barbaric, but it is what it is, and um, and uh, that's that's the line of work I am is to beat people up and, and hurt them badly. It is what it is, you know. We don't mm -hmm. our our job isn't we don't eat pizza after and everybody you know sings kumbaya you know we go in there and, we, and what i when i wake up in the morning i train to hurt other men as bad as possible and there's no way around it i people look at me oh you're nice and stuff like that but i really want to hurt you you know inside mm -hmm. that cage yeah well we look forward to it <laughs> uh right about the time goes is having his birthday breakfast you'll be fighting so folks <laughs> It is a early start time for us here on the West Coast because of the time difference. They're out in Dublin, Ireland, and all the fights start at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, as we progress to the card and get to Pico versus uh, Carvalho. That's the co-main event at Bellator 299. The main event that night will be the title fight between Johnny Evelyn as he defends is Bellator Middleweight Championship versus Fabian Edwards. Mads Varnell versus Daniel Weichel. Sarah Collins versus Sinead Canavanaugh. Also on the card, you should tune in. And again, Showtime and YouTube for Bellator have got you covered. And thank you, Aaron, for your time. As always, it's always a fun chat with you, man. No, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. This has kind of been a, uh, a routine. You know, Before every fight, we check in, and it's been going well. So let's keep the streak going. And like I said, the... So it's a pleasure talking to you guys. You Same. too. And if you notice, this time I didn't bring up Modern Day and St. John Bosco because the last time we played, you guys beat us. So I've been kind of quiet on that one. But uh, there's a new <laughs> season. Good. We'll see how the season goes. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thank right. you. Well, I'm glad I cracked my jokes about the significance of 923 before we had Pico on because he shares the same birthday with you. Goes not me. I wonder. Maybe his topology says that or something. It does. It does? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so when I saw it, it jumped out at me. And I thought, oh, wait. He's, and, dude, you know what I didn't tell him was, you're only 26? I honestly thought he'd be, like, 30 by now. He's yeah. only 26, man. And he really does get better. He's really shaking off a lot of those losses. This is, like, this fight number 15. 
for Aaron Pico, all under Bellator, too. And mm-hmm. if you'll recall, he lost a lot early on. Not a lot, but he just lost, you know, when we thought he'd probably go at least 12-0 and 0 before he lost. He lost his first fight, getting choked out via guillotine in 2017 at Bellator NYC. Then he won four in a row. All right. You know, he shook that loss off, and then he lost back-to-back to Henry Corrales and Adam Borix. Then he wins another six in a row, and then he had that unfortunate loss to Jeremy Kennedy with the shoulder injury. Uh, since then, picked up a win for James Gonzalez, but he's 11-4 and four going into this fight, all 15 fights with Bellator. Yeah. All right. So here's a couple other bits of news that has come out. So Junior Dos Santos fights Fabrizio Redoom in bare knuckle MMA. So they're going to do it all, but with no gloves. And that's for Game Bread, uh, Jorge Masvidal's promotion, where you can fight basically uh, bare knuckle MMA. It's called Game Bread. It's Game Bread Bare Knuckle 5. And at the same press conference, Jorge uh, Masvidal announced that the winner of this fight is going to face the winner of another heavyweight fight, except the other heavyweight fight is going to be a bare-knuckle matchup. Which, hold on a second. I guess the other one's going to be bare-knuckle MMA as well. I apologize. I was getting confused because I thought this was going to be just bare-knuckle. But no, I guess the other one's going to be bare-knuckle MMA on October 28th in Biloxi, Mississippi, Alan Belcher versus Roy Nelson. So there you go. That's a nice fearsome foursome there. Maybe what threw me off goes is that Alan Belcher is or was the bare-knuckle heavyweight champion. Right. So that's what made me think of that. Yeah, that is odd. Yeah. So at least he's kind of giving a little bit of foresight into what's going on as promotion with the big guys. He also said he plans to hold another event in December. So shout out to Game Bread Knuckle MMA. Kind of doing their things. A little under the radar, but he's got some big names. Dos Santos, Verdum, Nelson, Belcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nelson held a major belt, IFL. Belcher held a major belt, BKFC heavyweight champ. And the other two were both UFC champions. Pretty pretty big. I wonder what that's going to be like, uh, guys of that level, bare-knuckle MMA. I mean, that's taking it old school, right? It is, yeah. And I don't know that we need to do that. Like, I'm thinking, what's kind of MMA is pretty violent as it is. Why do we have to do bare knuckle? Uh, I guess the grapplers are okay. They like having their hands free, but they also like having their hands protected. Mm-hmm. I like bare knuckle for bare knuckle fighting, obviously, but I kind of was wondering for bare knuckle MMA. I don't know. Now, what I really got into a little bit was Muay Thai with MMA gloves. That was nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that you was <laughs> that's that man's got to be on standby for that. I know. I mean, Jeff those two. guys are pretty One they, they use bigger gloves. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, I guess some of the other news that's out there that's kind of been talked about is Bobby Green is back yet again. He's going to be facing Grant Dawson at an upcoming fight night. So I thought that was worthy of a shout out. Green's done this for a long time. And of course, Grant Dawson's, I think, only lost once in his career. He's pretty legit, man. He almost is like an American version of Habib and Islam Makashev. I mean, he gets you to the ground ground and suffocates you. 
So these guys get down on October 7th. Dawson has a 21-1 record. That's right. He's undefeated in the UFC. He's 8-0-1 with the draw. He took a loss earlier in his career. And then Bobby Green, of course, 11-9-1. Uh, Very fun fighter to watch. Uh, this is a, a good one that uh, I'm excited about. On that same card, if you're curious, Drew Dober versus Rick Glenn. Chris Gutierrez versus Montel Jackson. Vanessa Demopoulos is back. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is back. Bill Algio against Alexander Hernandez. And, yeah, that's about it. I think there's a bunch of other names there. I'm not going to go over the whole card, but Daniel Pineda's back, Felipe Lenz, and Ion Cotolava. Montana De La Rosa and Stephanie Egger. That's October 7th in Las Vegas. Um, all right. So we're basically almost done here with the show, but we want to get to Dan Ige. Oh, Dana White clarified that probably not Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we all thought, honestly. But now it looks like Dana's saying probably not. But it was the way he said, probably not. Thank you. Put the microphone down. It looked like he wasn't too happy with that topic. And I'll tell you why it goes. Because I think when Elon and Zuck realized, hey, this could be big. I think it was Elon that said, if this happens, it's happening on X or on Facebook. We'll donate the fights to charity. It's like this way that he took it over. And just basically gave the Heisman to the UFC. So I think that's why Dana was like, all right, fuck you guys then. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I still wouldn't be shocked if for some reason Zuckerberg ended up doing something UFC related. You know, that wouldn't shock me. You know what I would watch, honestly, is, and I think he's way older now, so it probably lost its interest. But if they did it, I would watch CM Punk and Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Well, CM Punk's got a lot more time on his hands now. He sure does, yeah. He's no longer with the AEW promotion. And I don't know how old is he. I know Zuckerberg's 40, I think, or 41. CM Punk's got to be older. Let me see. CM Punk He's a little little bigger, though, isn't he? He's 44, CM Punk. Yeah, but he cut down. Look, he fought Mickey Gall. So he must have cut down to 170. Mm-hmm. And Mark Zuckerberg looks like a pretty big boy. But I'm sure they could figure out something. Zuckerberg is 39. So that's not the biggest disparity in age. Anyway, yeah. I mean, if you're going to f- make use of that guy, that's kind of the time to do it. All right. So before we give you the final rundown on our plans for Saturday, let's talk to Dan Ige. He's got a fight coming up on the 23rd as well here in Las Vegas. His opponent is Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty. That should be a fun one. Whether they hit the ground or stay on the feet, I'm in. Back with Danny Gay, 50K. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with one of our favorites, honestly, a local Vegas guy who we've known for a long time, seen him progress through the pre-UFC era until now. He's an actual UFC fighter for the last, well, how many years now, Dan? Five or six? Yeah, half a decade. <laughs> I there don't you know, go. Like I think you get to 10, we can say you, you made a career out of it, being a UFC fighter, which I'm sure is a lot of MMA fighters' goals when they're progressing through right you don't want to just do a dance or two and then bounce and say oh i did it i mean you i think you want to make a career out of it you're well on your way 
for sure. And it's crazy how fast the time flies because, I mean, I remember fighting in Titan FC and CFFC and LFA and Legacy and, like, just to see how fast my career has progressed. And I'd say I'm probably one of the most active UFC fighters on the roster. Looking back at, like, the guys I fought and how many fights I've had and the amount of time, it's I, I don't I don't know the statistics, but I feel like I'm up there. So can't complain. This will be your third fight this year. So that's definitely an active schedule. And honestly, yeah. see if things go well, I could see you squeezing in the last one if you wanted to, or maybe you just call it a season and see you in 2024. But, yep. uh, it, you know, that's one way to keep your name out there, especially in a stacked division like yours. 100%. And that's my goal. At the beginning of this year, my goal is to fight three times. January, when I fought Jamin Jackson, June. And then I was hoping for a December card at the end of the November December and we got the September offer so I was like and it was a good opponent Bryce Mitchell so we took that fight but definitely I'm I'm on route to fight four times this year you know you never can look past a fight because you never know how it's going to go but we do everything in our power we can we could do to win and you know get a good W and just hopefully keep the ball rolling and keep the momentum going my wife's due with another baby at the end of February so I'm hoping to fight yeah, at least one more time before then and make it four. If it's this year or early next year, it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, we'll stick, keep herself relevant until I got to take a little little break and, yep. Change diapers. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let me ask you a question here. I think it's relevant to you because you went down this path. And earlier in this interview, we talked about, you know, the other promotions that you fought in. And, of course, you did have a pit stop at Dana White Contender Series where they passed you over. This year, man, everyone's getting the contract, I, I would say. I think they went five and five the first two weeks uh, and, and pretty much every other week, maybe one or two. No, I think just one hasn't gotten it. Does it chap your hide or is it you passed it? Especially when he says, you know, show me that you want to be here or or I, I don't know. I, I still remember the huge disappointment in the gym when you didn't uh, get you, – you got the win. You just didn't get invited to be part of the UFC because I thought you did fight your ass off and I thought you proved you were UFC talent. And I know I'm going back a few years, but just your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's all – it's all perspective. It's one of those things you could use as fuel – you know, put that chip on your shoulder, like, man, I didn't get picked. But, dude, I I'm, I have almost 15 fights now in the UFC, so I'm, yeah. I'm far past that. I, honestly, I'm a little guilty. I haven't even watched one episode of the Contender Series this, <laughs> this season, and I've just been so busy. I'm focused on myself. But I'm, yeah. I'm grateful, man. I've, I've, been, I've been in this game for a minute. I've made over a million dollars fighting in the UFC, so I'm grateful. I'm blessed. You know, I have a house, I have a beautiful family. And those are the little things that I focus on. I don't really focus, except <laughs> when Dana White does his thing that if you don't know, now you know. And they put the Dana White Contender Series logo next to my name because they still didn't pick me. And they claim me. Yeah, I remember, man. Um you know, I want you to go for the finish. Your fight didn't go to a decision. You got the finish. Like, yeah. uh, you know, this, look, you're there. You're right. 15 fights in. I guess it yeah. was just something that went through my head this year because I remember the first year it was, 
it was reality television, you know, like win, yeah. and then you all sit on those stools and we all wait, and one person's gonna get the contract. Whoa, he, he was crazy this week. He gave away two, you know, but for the most part, yeah. at least I thought that was kind of gonna be the setting. And now it's just like everyone come on in, carry come on in to a <laughs> roster that's already pretty full, pretty damn full. I don't even know if you need more bodies, to be honest. Yeah, I can't even imagine the stress of the matchmakers just having to bring on more and more and more. I mean, there's fights every single weekend, so I get it. They got to fill shows and, you know, keep signing these prospects. But, yeah, dude, honestly, I just – the little things you just don't care too much about anymore. And it just yeah. – all I can do is focus on myself, focus on my own self-growth and getting better and continuing to climb the ranks and – Make some money. Mm -hmm. So, Dan, Jackson, uh, Landwehr, Mitchell, like these guys are no jokes. These are very tough fighters. Can you maybe point to one thing that you feel all three of them have in common and then maybe a couple things that separate them as challenges? Um, <laughs> They're all hillbillies. <laughs> 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 i don't know uh they're all they're all different in their own ways you know like damon jackson was one of those guys when i fought him at the time he was on a good four fight win streak they're all on win streaks nate landwehr damon jackson the only guys not on a win streak besides i mean is mitchell but he won 14 in a row before that so um they're they're they all they all have little things that just give them that edge. Like Mitchell's just, he's good at obviously what he does when he gets on top, his top pressure, his wrestling game, I think is really underrated because he doesn't have pretty wrestling, but he can fight from long extended positions and find a way to get the takedown, get the body lock, get the back. Um, Damon Jackson was honestly very similar. So the preparation for Jackson and Mitchell are kind of the same. Just a little bit different things here and there, just, you know, being very urgent defensively and, you know, finding in when to mix in my offensive takedowns too because, you know, I, I scored one on Jackson too. When I fought Jackson, it was like, don't get, don't let him touch you, don't let him grab you because that's the only his only chance of winning. And when I actually clinched up with him, I was like, man, this guy's not even that, that strong. So, you know, I, I took him down at the end of round one and – Felt like I could have done it in round two, but then I knocked him out. So Nate Landwehr was a little different because I knew he would kind of come in and he had that durability. I, I wasn't sure if he was going to wrestle as much, but we we kind of assumed. We're like, all right, listen, how do we beat Dan Nige? Let's, let's try to put him on his back or put him on the cage and, you know, just win, win by points. He's hard to finish. He hasn't been finished, so let, let's just try to get a decision here. And he came out and, and struck with me, and it wasn't a surprise, but he was very tough, and we planned for that. Even Eric was like, hey, I know you got a walk-off KO over Damon Jackson. No walk-off KOs with this guy because he's just stupid tough. He's a zombie. You know, he'll, he, I probably should have choked him out. <laughs> but anyways, we got the win. Now we're fighting Mitchell, and – He's very, I think, I think people underestimate his stand up a little bit. 
His stand-up's very herky-jerky and weird, weird timing, but he hurts guys. He hurt Edson Barbosa on the feet. So it's not it's not like one of those fights, like just don't get taken down and you win. You got to be kind of cautious and uh, just mindful, very mindful everywhere, everywhere the fight goes. And so I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, they're all a little bit different, but at the same time, it's just me showing up at my best and giving my best effort. And I believe I could be victorious. Hey, Dan, have you ever seen a cartoon where they got like a little devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other and they're talking to each other? Yeah. Does like having being a fighter, but also being on the management side, do you ever have one of those talking to you, not from the fighter's perspective, but from like the agent side? Because, you know, win here, that's a nice little streak and maybe even a possible fourth one. Um, I'm sure you've seen the other side of the, of the negotiation tables. Like, does, does that ever happen to you? Do you ever have like two sides of you that talks to yourself? Um, I guess, but not in like the agent fighter aspect. It's just as a human aspect, you know, the, you deal with the confidence and then the doubt and both those voices creep into your head. You know, you, for instance, when I fought Nate Landwehr, hearing everyone saying like, I'm just going to run through him. You know, he's a perfect opponent that's built for me. And me knowing that I'm capable of that, capable of finishing him, capable of knocking him out and beating him. And also the other voice in me was like, well, this guy's crazy. He's got a gas tank. You know, he's awkward. He could beat me. Um, I'm still a human. Like, I'm beatable. I've lost before. So, you know, there people can put together game plans to beat me. And you, you think about that. So it's a balance of, of the doubt and then the confidence and not being overconfident and not being too doubtful of yourself. I feel like I do a pretty good job managing it, but I'm very honest with myself. I'm honest of what can happen. I don't, I don't go in there thinking I can lose, but I know that I, that I can lose. I also know that I can win. It, it, it's, it's literally an, you know, it's an option to go out there and either shut down and be behind and be just literally milliseconds behind. You can lose the fight or just go in there and be focused on the present, be in the moment and do everything you can and give the best effort you can. And, you know, at least if you do that and you lose, you're okay with it because you did everything that you're supposed to do leading up to it. And you did everything you could do in the fight to get the result you want. You just didn't get it. But that's kind of my main thing is just being very focused on being in the moment. And, but I have those mental battles every day. I think about it every day from the day I signed the contract. Even when I don't have a fight, it's like, when am I going to fight? I have those thoughts. Am I doing enough right now? Am I on the couch? Am I eating? Is my weight at a good point? Um, should I be lighter? Should I be heavier? Uh, should I be running? Should I be lifting right now? It's, it's always a weird unknowing I don't know. The sport's hard, when, especially when you don't know when you're going to fight. Um, it's not like uh, a league where you're fighting. You know you're going to fight. And like in the PFL, I'm going to fight four or five times this year, and I have every single date laid out. It's, it's not like that in the UFC. Sometimes, like myself right now, I got a good streak going, good momentum, so they want to you know, you keep me relevant and keep me active. But last year I fought one time. 
was coming off a three-fight losing skid, and I fought one time, and it wasn't my choice. I was healthy. I was capable, and I wanted to keep fighting. Obviously, I have to be smart. You know, it's like on a three-fight losing skid, do I want to risk, you know, losing again, losing my job maybe? Um, I've seen people lose their job off two losses, so it's uh, just one of those things. You got to just take it bit day by day and practice being in the moment because – you're not in the moment you're not you're not in the fight hey dan i don't know if you remember this um and george too do you guys remember a show i want to say it was called like wife swap or something where they swapped uh families for like a week or something and they had to kind of operate in the other person's environment you guys are so polar opposite if you were on a show similar like that but let's just call it fighter swap where he's over at a big gym like Extreme Couture now, and you got to go over there on his farm, who do you think cracks first or who do you think would benefit more from the other person's environment? Like, do you ever look at uh, the solitude that he has outside of just training with a, a, a little small group? Does it ever make you jealous? Do you think he would ever want a, a big group setting? Or no, it's a lot, but take it from there. Uh, well, I could only speak for myself. Um, all I can say is I've been there before. I when I was training in Hawaii, I was working construction full time. I was I was doing slave labor, you know, picking up barrels of concrete, shoveling sand, um, getting messy, getting p- picking up hundred pound uh, big stones, flag stones, and laying tile, and just doing everything. I was doing everything slave labor, and then freaking going to train after that, and having to train while being tired like so i i know what it's like to live that labor life i mean for him it's more of a lifestyle farmer you live on the farm he has just like he's probably living he's living his dream but that's also his comfort zone i got to a point in my career i fought 11 amateur fights in hawaii then had two pro fights um and after my second pro fight i made I, i had come out to vegas a few times i was living with brad like for two, three weeks at a time doing like little mini training camps. So I always knew I was going to make the move, but after my second pro fight, I was still in Hawaii. And that's when I knew I had to make the decision to just leave my house, leave my home, leave my comfort zone. Um, I left Hawaii with no money, no job, no family. I had Brad out here. That was it. And, you know, extreme couture, they opened their doors for me and, I had to earn my way to where I am now. I had to, I didn't, I didn't know any of the coaches. You know, I, I knew Robert Falls from coming out a couple times and, but he was like, he was the star. He was the big time coach. So I didn't even want to like cross those boundaries. I was like, I'm just going to show up every day and keep putting in the work. And that's how, you know, that's how I got introduced to Eric. Cause I was like, he wasn't really coaching a lot of guys yet. He was the gym manager, but he saw me showing up every day and we kind of gravitated towards each other in that sense and started working our way up. But to your question, if we were to swap roles, you know, I, I can't speak for him, but I can say I've been, I've been where he's at. I've had that smaller team. I've had, um, that, you know, just kind of labor environment, but I don't know. I'm doing everything possible to be the best in the world. Um, I take care of my body. I, I do a full extensive strength and conditioning, my recovery. I train with some of the best guys in the world, the big, one of the biggest gyms. Um, 
our 45ers, 55, 35, 45, 55ers are just insane. That the, the level of talent on the mat is insane, even guys that aren't in the UFC. And all I know is I'm getting pushed every single day. And I've created kind of a small team out of Extreme Couture to best benefit me going into my training camps. Dan, I think uh, I think you're alone. I think the family's away, so we can keep it real. If you went that way, would you miss that coffee press the most? The one in the background? Oh, this one? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd probably take it with me, to be honest. Uh, when I – during the pandemic, they had us at the that Marriott Hotel on D. Martin, and I took my espresso machine with me because we had to stay in the bubble – and that was, I don't know, it was cool just to be in the hotel and making coffees for my team. And yeah, I'd probably take it with me. Bro, I think there's some stories of fighters that were on cards that couldn't even leave their room, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, it was a weird time. I mean, I fought a bunch of times. In Dhabi, the you couldn't but... leave your room. Uh, they would even monitor the hallways. And then when you guys oh, got yeah. to the hotel... At least it became a bigger bubble because you had the hotel. But yeah, yeah, man, it's incredible. Some of the stories. I some PFL guys were sequestered for like 17 days in New Jersey on one of their cards. I remember that one too. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember in Abu Dhabi, we literally like Eric had a room next door, Eric and Skyler, and then I was in my room. But our balconies connected, and you could squeeze through, so we just like go over <laughs> into each other's rooms and. Because they taped our doors. They taped our doors. So if you left, the tape would break. They'd know you left the room, but you can go, you could slide through the balcony. So we found our way. You guys never got caught? I I mean, no. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, no, because you remember there was a UFC fighter who snuck Often. in a teammate or something like that? I don't know. I can't remember what story that was, but. What's in the bag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, while the cat's away, the mice will play. Have you been training just as intense as if Eric were here cracking the whip? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about self-accountability, you know, showing showing up even when you don't feel like it, keeping yourself accountable. I yeah. feel like I'm a very disciplined fighter. and But, yeah, Eric, Eric was gone. We communicated this before he left, and – I don't think he was ever worried about me. You know, he doesn't have to be there cracking. I keep myself accountable. I show up every day. But I'm also, I feel like I'm at a point in my career where I, and I have the confidence because it takes confidence, but sometimes you need two days off. Sometimes you need three days off to, you know, heal the body, get the body, because we constantly pound our body every single day. And, you don't you don't get worse in that time off, and that's where I feel like a lot of fighters are just you know afraid of. They feel like they have to train three times a day, run their body into the ground. Just I I'm in a way I'm doing that because I'm in training camp and everything's just kind of dialed in. But there are days you just be like you know we're we're gonna pull back today. We're not gonna do exactly what's on the agenda today. We have to adjust. We have to adapt, and we have to be smart. And that's where great coaches. And a team comes in handy. So I just I have a really good team, you know. And at the at the end of the day, I have to keep myself accountable and keep everyone accountable. And we we just all do a really good job at it. So no, no pressure there. 
last question. At the top of your division is Alex Volkanovsky. All three of us could probably say great things about the guy. It's well-deserved. He's done, you know, he's had a great run. But when you are in your car and maybe you catch ESPN 100 local, Alex Volkanovsky, man, the guy's unbeatable. Or maybe you go and listen to MMA Junkie and you hear a couple of clowns that go and I, goes and I saying, man, it's tough. I don't know who's going to. So when you hear a lot of that, right, what what do you feel? What do you what do you feel? I know you can't answer for the other featherweights, but I always wonder what the featherweights feel. You know, like, is is there something like, oh, yeah, I got something for him. Like, you know, like what what um, is it fuel? Is, you know, does it put a chip on your shoulder or, or how do you? interpret all that I, I think alex volkanovsky is obviously one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world um i don't i don't think about that like he's unbeatable he's 100 beatable he has lost before um i mean i think it was like his first fight but he's won everyone since but he's beatable and there it, it's the right strategy and the right timing and right now it's not my time it's not my time to be the one to beat him but when my time does come, then that's something I can focus on. And, but I've never, I never really have the thought like, man, this guy, even when I fought Rush, the Mosar, Ivloev, he was undefeated. I didn't have a doubt that I was going to lose to him. I didn't, I just thought I had the, you know, the recipe to beat him and I didn't, it wasn't my night. And just one of those things, man, it's like every single person is beatable, but it's, it's fighting. It's fighting is all about timing and, you know, his time will come, my time will come, and yeah, I don't know. I don't think too much about it. I like it. That's a great attitude to have. You don't necessarily have him on a pedestal, but you give him his respect. At least that's what it sounded like to me. So, Dan, sure. thank you so much for the catch-up. Good luck yep. with the rest of your camp leading into the Bryce Mitchell fight on the 23rd here in Las Vegas. You guys are the co-main event that night here at the uh, Apex. And, of yep. course, safe weight cut, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you soon, man. Well, I'm sure we'll see you at the gym soon. Okay, sounds good. Right on, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure I would have said hillbillies. I think I would have went with southern folk, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as uptight as others. Somebody will be like, he shouldn't have said that. But um, it was funny. Anyway, thank you to Danny Gay on it. Uh, what people don't know is that Eric Nixit gave us the assignment to keep an eye on Danny Gay's that he's not goofing off while he's in Australia. We're kidding, obviously, but um, pretty cool to hear that story about how Eric really wasn't in that coaching mode yet. He, and mm -hmm. that's when him and Dan kind of connected and started a great career for Eric, you know? Yeah, very cool. Yeah. On Saturday, folks, it's our UFC 293 watch along. Even if you can't make it, if you see us post or tweet or whatever, if you don't mind sharing it, that would be great. It goes a long way, and we always have new listeners and viewers. So also, Spinning Back Click, check it out every Monday. It's also in podcast form. So if you don't catch it live Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, although for the next six or seven weeks, we'll be going at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, one hour earlier. You can catch it in podcast form. It drops on Tuesdays, uh, and it's also available on some of those smaller TV channels that you can find on Roku, so look mm -hmm. for that as well. And if you want to watch the replay and not just listen to it in podcast form, which is audio only, our YouTube channel is blowing up. I would say subscribe to the channel. 
so you can see all the things that drop on our channel. Hit that little bell so you'll know when we're on live, like when we were for that press conference, the Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins, the UFC weigh-ins, and of course, spinning back click, that little bell will give you the alert of when we're on live. And if you don't mind, when you watch a video, hit like. The reason you hear a lot of creators say that is because when you do hit like and subscribe and you get viewers and chatters, it triggers this algorithm that kind of gets you closer to being seen on the main page or it's just in, in front of more eyeballs. And I don't think that's too much to ask, honestly. The like, come on, that's easy. And the subscribe, especially if you're constantly coming back, might as well just subscribe. But I figured it was worth the explanation. All right, folks, we're going to bounce on out of here. Goes to Strickland, pull it off or no? I think it gives him a, a decent fight, but uh, I'm just not picking against Israel Adesanya again. Does he wrestle him? Or does he I think he tries. Fight? Yeah, he tries to. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. I think it'll be a fun fight. It'll be a competitive fight. But I think a lot of it will have to do with Israel not taking chances, finding the right time to finally close out Sean Strickland. And in doing so, it'll look like he's carrying it, but it's not that he's carrying it. I think he's very respectful of Sean because Sean has enough wins on his resume to, to you, you can't discount the guy, all right? Don't just think of, well, because Pajeda knocked him out, that's what Israel's going to do. All matchups are different. But I think they'll be, I think he's going to wait patiently for the right time, make sure he doesn't get caught underneath him, losing rounds, you know, or whatever, and also possibly tiring out because Sean just put on some volume. And I could see Izzy maybe closing him out in round three. Would I cheer loudly for sean if he did yeah only because i get happy for anyone that's ever become a champion in our sport it's pretty hysterical historical i should say but not because i dislike izzy at all um sometimes there's something to those dominant champs you know and let other weight classes trade the belt around but mm -hmm. uh this guy's extreme couture and we're very close with eric and that's his guy so I, I'll be very happy if Sean can pull it off, but I don't think he's gonna, but hey, whatever. And as far as Taitui Vasa and Alexander Volkov, man, six, seven, that's a lot to get through. I don't like Taitui Vasa's chances in this one, man. I just think Volkov slowly will put him out, but anything that, can happen. That, in the that chin division. hangs out every now and again. It does. I think Taitui Vasa should kick his legs and blitz you know i mean i didn't think he could knock out Derek lewis and he did but he also got thumped by gone you know it didn't even look close anyway all right folks enjoy your weekend we'll see you saturday go out and be a champion